long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, we were treated to the story of a ragtag group of galactic mismatched misfits and princesses as they got together to battle against the tyrannical galactic empire. Um, Of course, I'm talking about Star Wars. And it is a story that has may have been unfortunately repeated in some of the most recent movies, but they called A New Hope, the original Star Wars movie, the perfect narrative. Um, It is... The original Star Wars movies in particular are huge inspirations to me, and I've always loved just the the narrative, the characters, the technology, the vehicles. I mean, just everything is perfect. But I'm kind of jumping ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome you to a very special episode of Cast Dice. Uh, my name is Old Man Morin, and this is a podcast that explores the wide world of gaming as it exists now. I have said on this podcast many times that we are sort of living through a gaming renaissance. There are so many fantastic war games, tabletop game of any variety, including board games, role-playing games. Gaming in general is so good at the moment. It's as if the entire industry all of a sudden paid attention to itself and learned from its mistakes And we are sort of reaping the benefits of all of these fantastic games at once. Um, My wallet is screaming in pain and my attention is killing me. I have a hard enough time, you know, paying attention to everything I want to. And so this podcast explores things that are happening in the gaming industry, uh, games that interest me, and games that interest the the guests that I have on. Which brings me, of course, to this week's panel. Uh, Now, this is a panel of one. Now, for those of you who know uh, or follow this show through the Bolt Action um, crowd, you would know the name Brian Cook. Um, He's the former White Dwarf editor for Australia. He is just a hobby god uh, and is just one of the most talented uh, members of our community locally, I think, um, in countless ways. When he says the guest that I'm having on tonight is a legend, you know it's high praise. Uh, I mentioned to several people who I was having on this particular episode, and every single one of them, to a T, said, oh, that's awesome. He's a great dude. You know when that happens, you're on to a winner. Now, my guest tonight has been on the LRDG when this show was that, way back when. It is my distinct pleasure to welcome back the one, the only, Mark Unsworth. Welcome back to Cast Dice. Thank you, Brad. It's a pleasure to be here, and that's very kind of Ryan to say that. Uh, I'll make sure the money gets to him. <laughs> right on. Well, dude, seriously, like, I-, I met you, what, 12, 13 years ago? And in that time that I've known you, every single time anyone mentions your name, they're like, oh, dude, he's awesome. How, I mean, you are just one of the generally, like, the coolest people I've ever met. I don't know how you do it. Welcome to Cast Dice again. Well, it's great. I'm very excited to be on uh, your new show. I've been a fan from day one, Brad. You know that. Oh, and I of you, my man. But Thank you. Today, let's take the awkwardness aside and actually talk about the elephant in the room. 
Now, I did start this episode by talking briefly about Star Wars. Now, on this show, we've been talking about trends in the gaming industry and things that we're looking forward to. And one of the games that we've been looking forward to, um, and that there's been an unbelievable amount of hype about, is Fantasy Flight Games' new Star Wars game. Now, of course, traditionally, Fantasy Flight had the X-Wing, well, had the Star Wars license. So they had Star Wars role-playing games. They had the incredibly successful X-Wing title. Um, They had Star Wars Armada. And they had Star Wars Imperial Assault, which was um, almost like a a narrative, skirmishy, almost a board game-y come tidbits of role-playing aspect um and and attached to imperial assault there were rules for tabletop wargaming kinda now if you like me love a good tabletop war game that's just not enough if you are also a star wars fan so we mark and i and many other people are very excited about fantasy flight games upcoming brand new game Star Wars Legion. Mark, why don't you stop me from talking and why don't you hop in and tell us a little bit about what we know about Star Wars Legion? Well, what we do know is it's uh, Fantasy Flight's new skirmish uh, miniature game. So unlike Imperial Assault, where she's A, both smaller models and smaller scale in terms of Mm. you're more like an elite squad doing a mission, uh, even in the skirmish format. This is its uh, second foray into a a full-on war game, first being Rune Wars. Mm. Uh, But, but yeah, but this is its... uh, I hate saying it, but it's the 40K equivalent, isn't it? It really uh, is. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, uh, 28, Heroic 28, I think some of the uh, photos make it look closer to 32 yeah i think Uh, it's i think it's actually being touted officially now i know for a little while they tiptoed around it i think it's officially a 32 because they uh, because um imperial assault was true 28 um and they put the models next to one another and yeah it's a 28 millimeter uh 32 millimeter difference so they they've upscaled the models significantly so you can't use your imperial assault models much to some people's annoyance sorry go ahead yeah, yeah. So, so that that's sort of what we know so far. There's been a you know a few gameplay videos, but look, it was an exciting Gen Con uh, when all those videos started coming out. Oh yeah, it came out of nowhere. I must admit, it came out of nowhere. Um, it was always joking about you know maybe they would do something, but uh, you know they've got a they've got a lot of games for Star Wars as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all the miniature based ones that you mentioned, but there's still there's two card game. Uh, ones as well star wars destiny and star wars the card game so of course thank you yeah and, and look destiny is a bit of a juggernaut so it's uh yeah it's it, look absolutely welcome and uh you know one of the things for me and i'd said this to you sort of off air was when i got into wargaming it was my interest in star wars and that's what i wanted was a star wars war game didn't exist when i started well coming close on 20 years ago now um but now it's here and even better, now I've got the cash to pa- uh, play it. So, uh, unlike when I was a 15-year-old boy. So, uh, yeah, look, I'm super excited for it. Yeah, absolutely. Star Wars has always been one of those, I mean, properties. And I know as 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 nerds, um, as geeks, we really do identify with it. I mean, there's always the Star Wars, Star Trek um, conversation. And there's some people who say, oh, I just don't like Star Wars. 
but they're wrong. Um, <laughs> um, but I mean, everyone's got their own Star Wars story. Mine happened to be um, I had a, um, I guess you would call her a, 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 a babysitter. Um, she was British. She was a, a local college student in Boston. And my parents had some work things they had to go do, like work dinners. And so there was, and it was right before Empire dropped. Um, and um, this, I don't think this, uh, babysitter quite knew what to do with me and so she took me to the movies and what happened to be um, playing well they were showing a new hope again right before in theaters right before um, Empire dropped because back then of course there were, you know other than occasionally watching things on TV the, it, it was pre VHS so y- you weren't going to watch the movie or buy it to watch at home unless you were incredibly rich and had like Laserdisc or something. So I watched A New Hope, and then a few weeks later, I watched Empire Strikes Back. And as a kid who was about five at the time, it, it changed my life. It was amazing. And the first record I ever got, which also shows how old I am, was the, and I cringe to say this on a podcast, was the Star Wars Disco LP. Um... Which would be pretty fabulous if I could find it now. Yeah, I, I don't know what op shop my parents found, you know, like, uh, where... It wouldn't have been new in, like, 1980, whenever Empire dropped. Uh, anyway, moving on. Um, but that's Star okay, though, Wars, Brad. yeah, very important. Go ahead. I was going to say, that's okay, Brad, because uh, my mum the other day uh, presented a box to me that had mold records in it. Mm-hmm old school vinyl and one of them was my um basically audio book of return of the jedi on vinyl yeah so, see uh, there you go you know it's in us all it's in us all that's right that's right well okay so we know that this is a a, a war game a proper war game so when we when you made the 40k comparison um you it, of course one player has an army, the other player has an army. You set up on a tabletop and you you fight. You play a mission. Um, now we know quite a lot about the game um, from bits and pieces that FFG has been leaking intentionally. Um, now, what as you said, no one really saw this coming. I mean, there was maybe some rumors, but they've been really tight-lipped about a the proper release cycle of this game and how the rules really work. Um, other than what they have leaked through their own website, which has actually been really informative. And so tonight we're going to kind of bring a lot of that together um, and we're going to share what is generally understood about what Star Wars Legion is. Now, before we get too far into it, it does. I, this is something that we've said with many other games prior to their coming out when we're, we're talking about rules um, and interactions between them and things we like and things we may not, not, you know, may not like. We are looking at rules in isolation. We are not looking at the complete picture. Um, I love what I'm seeing so far, spoilers, but I haven't played the game. I haven't read the full rules. So we're working off of what we've read and making comparisons to other game systems. And so tonight, when we're presenting this to you, FFG might drop another article about new rules that will make maybe part of this podcast obsolete tomorrow. It's just how that it's the nature of the beast. Um, but I'm fairly confident that everything that we'll be saying tonight, and we will be getting into some detail about how the rules work, um, I'm pretty sure it is going to be 
accurate. Um, that said, if there are inaccuracies, I am sorry. Mark and I have done a lot of homework on this, uh, and we want to make sure that you know we're as accurate as possible, but we're working with not a full painting, so to speak. Uh, so, first things first. Star Wars Legion is a proper war game. Now, you're not going to have as many models on the board as perhaps maybe a game of Warhammer 40,000 or a game of Bolt Action. Uh, Mark did say this is a skirmish game. Now, it's not necessarily a skirmish game like Malifaux where you're working with maybe 10 models. You are going to have a full army, but it is not going to be as large an army, as I said, as maybe a Kings of War game. So we, what we know is there are two different factions to choose from. Um, as the game launches, you can play the Rebels or the Imperials. Uh, I know there's been a lot of interest in Bounty Hunters. There's been a lot of interest in Scum. Um, they did, of course, create a third faction for X-Wing, Scum and Villainy. And I know there's a lot of people who are hoping that would happen in Star Wars Legion. That might happen. We don't know. Um, given the popularity of Scum and X-Wing, I would imagine perhaps they would do that at some point. But they're not starting from launch. And I think that's kind of clever on their behalf. Because, Mark, you want to talk a little bit about um, the release schedule as we see it and know it at this point? Sure. Well, <clears throat> first things first, there's the core box that will be coming out, which has, uh, like I say, Imperials and Rebels. Uh, now, in the series of articles, they have announced uh, the uh, basically the additional boxes. So the, the, the forces that you get in the core box, you can buy them individually. Mm -hmm. But I think a surprise, which I was super stoked about, was the uh, Snowtroopers yes. in General Vids has been announced as well. So... Um, that's it's really good and and i think one of the things that my concerns with this would be was going to be a, a slow release schedule mm -hmm. um i think to grab everyone's interest they, ffg sounds like they're going to have an aggressive um release schedule mm. just so people can get their teeth into it given also there's only two factions as well so there's not the the depth in terms of uh three, four, or five different factions like a lot of the other war games have. Mm -hmm. um, you know, look at Bolt Action when it started. There was all the major the major nations, so straight away you had the big four you could play right. out of the box. Correct. So they, they don't so they don't have that in this, which is uh, going to be an interesting thing for them to manage, I think, moving forward. Agreed. Um, and so just to be clear, in the box you get um, the, the core game comes with Darth Vader, um, two squads of Stormtroopers, and two jet bikes, and that's the Imperial side with um, with Stormtrooper scouts on the back. Uh, the Rebel side has Luke Skywalker, two squads of uh, Rebel basic grunts, uh, and you get an ATRT, um, which is a very small walker, and it, it is basically a weapons carrier. So you get some basic forces. Now, as you're talking about trying to be aggressive with the release schedule... I was a little concerned um, right out of the gate because I'm not n normally one who's all for big, expensive, special characters to lead my forces. And to be honest, I really liked Rogue One because it was a story about characters that we don't know, we don't care about. It. They're not the big ones that you see in all the other movies. Um, and so I don't want to play with Luke Skywalker in every game. Um, I may want to play with Darth Vader in every game because he's amazing, but eh, I, I would get really bored with the game really quickly 
if we didn't see new leaders right out of the gate. Now, even before the game's released, and they're talking about this being technically part of Wave 1. So as you said, General Veers is dropping. So, and with him, snowtroopers. So we, I mean, I was expecting, and I know you and I talked off air, um, before they announced the, the snowtroopers, I was expecting them to kind of stick with, you know, generic imperial stuff. And then maybe down the line, we'd get, you know, the iconic snowtroopers from Empire Strikes Back. But we're getting them right out of the gate. Plus, we're already getting a new leader, which really changes up the options, which I'm really happy about. Um, how about you? Yeah, yes, couldn't agree more here. The it does raise, uh, and I hate being in because it, it's going to be great. I'll say off the bat to everyone who's listening, I love this game. It's going to be great. But when you see the snowtroopers come out, um, one of the things we didn't talk about was also they had announced the snow speeder and the ATST. Thank you. I can't believe I left those out. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Same as me as well. And it's just um, one of the things uh, I've always liked doing when I play a war game is theme. Yeah. And and that's one of the things uh, with the the box the core box. Great, it looks like this indoor uh, indoor style theme is a lot of the artwork that they've done, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You've got the jet, you've got the speeder bikes, but then you know like the rebel big vehicles, a snow speeder, and I just I, I know it's an air speeder. It could be anywhere if you get all nerdy on the fluff, but yeah. you know for me. That's the iconic is the snow speed is going out to harpoon the ATST, mm-hmm. ATATs on Hoth. Right. So it's, there seems – how cool if they already had the snowtroopers if they did Winter Rebels, snowtroopers, AT, snow, you know, as a core box? Just – it's strange, that's all. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people were talking about having General Reken come out for the Rebels and yep. Rebel snowtroops. Um that would have been sort of announced because apparently there's two more phantom releases slated for wave one of this. Um, I think, I think one of them would be general Maydean, who was the rebel commando leader on Endor. I reckon that's my top tip. Oh. Not that I know anything, not that I know anything, but it would make sense with the style of the rebel troopers. I would have thought. Yeah. Well, just to go back to what you were saying about the, the snow speeder, um, as I grew up calling it, um, if mm. you look at the Star Wars Legion art, they show the T-47, and they renamed it the Airspeeder. And yeah. if you look at the art on the box, I think it's very clever and very intentional that they have it flying through what looks like Tatooine's canyons, so desert terrain. And I think that that was a really clever choice on their behalf um, to show that, hey, you can use this thing in other places. Um, likewise, um, when, where are we used to looking at the ATST if we're looking in a movie? Uh, probably, um, the, the thing I think of is Return of the Jedi. And yeah. if you look at the ATST's art, um, it's on what kind of looks like a Hothi kind of planet in the background, but lava fields and dark rock on the ground. So I think they've gone out of their way to remove these models from in the art just to help us as gamers to to break that those connections in our in our heads. That said, of course, the speeder bikes are on Endor. So, go figure. Yeah, look and I agree. I look it's a it's a minor minor thing and it's my old retail brain saying what could I sell to someone better? That, that's all. Yeah, no, I but I, I, I was thinking the exact same thing, and I'm glad you said it because it's one of my talking points for tonight was like, yeah, but I think they have done a really good job of trying to break us out of that. Um, 
So, okay, let's let's go back here. So we did talk about how they have two factions. Now, we clearly there are leaders because we're talking about having to take one. Um, they have leaked a picture in a video that showed how to create an army in this game. Now, one of the things that was keeping me from being interested in this was I wanted to see how armies were created. It really made a big difference to me um, as a gamer, because that has really made or break, broken some games for me. And I, I just wanted a nice experience. Um, I know the example that I've read online a couple times where people were also worried, and I was worried about this too, that you would get like the 40K 7th edition phenomenon of, oh, look, I'm going to find the biggest, scariest thing I can find, and I'm going to field five of them. And then you're going to have to beat it with Ewoks. And you're like, no, that, that no, that's not going to be a good experience for anyone. Um, well, I, I guess it depends on what the rules look like. But I really wanted armies that looked like armies. I wanted this to be a tabletop war game. Um, and I think they've done a good job with that. They kind of went back to old school 40K. So in your army, you have to have one commander is what they call that class. And it, you can have one or two. Um, so you can have Darth Vader if you want, or you could have General Veers, or theoretically you could take both of them, but they do take up a huge amount of points, um, and we'll get to the point system in a minute. Now you have between three and six core choices. Now I love that they spelled core, C-O-R-P-S, um, so the, the core uh, I thought that was a nice wink and a nod, uh, as opposed to other game systems that call it C-O-R-E-S. Um, sorry. So you in every game, you are going to be forced to take basic grunts, at least three squads of basic dudes, and a commander. So right off the bat, that, that tells me you're going to have an army. Um, then you can have up to three special forces uh, slots. Uh, you can have up to three support slots. Uh, and then you can have up to two heavy units. Now, the heavy units that we've seen so far, uh, for example, would be the ATST. Um, and though a lot of people are saying, ooh, I want ADATs, you know, I want the ATAT, uh, I'm kind of excited, at least to start with, that we're not getting things that big. And if you look at how big the ATST is for this game, it looks huge. Um, and I. I at least right off the bat, I'm glad that we're getting basic troops and we're going to build it out. Now, we haven't seen any of the special forces units yet, um, but the walker and the speeder bikes, um, the ATRT for the rebels, the speeder bikes, and I want to say the airspeeder are support units, although the airspeeder may be a heavy. Um, no, the airspeeder is a heavy. It's a heavy. Okay. Yep. So we haven't seen the special forces. Now, I'm very excited about um, rebel commandos um, or, oh, God, special forces, uh, stormtroopers. Uh, oh, just the, the mind boggles at these choices um, for what they could pull out of the universe. But, Mark, what do you think about this army building process? Do you share my enthusiasm or do you think you would have gone with something that maybe would allow for more specialized themed armies? What do you think? No, no, I think it's I think it's wonderful, and I think if you wanted to play that theme, play outside of a competitive space, you've got that open to you. You know, the rebels going into the ATST factory and blow up as many as they can, type stuff, and you know, you can do all that stuff, which would be wonderful. But I think from a FFG try to do 
balanced as possible competitive play because they do they have a lot of skin in the game when it comes to organized play. I mean, mm-hmm. they have a world championships with some games. If you win, you get your accommodation and flights to go there. You know, there's some of the games, uh, Star Wars Destiny, for example, in Australia, the winner gets their flights and accommodation paid for to go to the world championships. So they in have the a lot US, of... yeah. In the US, in Minnesota. So so they have a lot of skin in the game. So it's probably in their best interest to make a competitive, uh, b- balanced as possible game. And, I, and I, look, I, I like the direction. And I think what it does allow them to do potentially in the future is, uh, uh, trying to think of the best, but an army card. Maybe there's they could introduce a system into the future saying, hey, here's a a little card that changes your force organization mm-hmm. because you're doing the you're doing the 501st so Vader's Stormtrooper Legion. Mm-hmm. So here's some restrictions but here are some benefits. So there's nothing potentially stopping them doing that in the future as well which would be very very exciting. Agreed. Agreed. Now I'm glad you brought up FFG and competitive play. Now, uh, Fantasy Flight is known for doing competitive play packs. They love people to go out and play their games in in tournaments. They love the term tournament um they want but they they try to set things up so that they are um you know fair and reasonable events now there's been a lot of debate on whether or not ffg's events are always fair um and if the rules are always balanced um and i know there's been a lot of complaints about um maybe how you get certain cards Uh, let me actually unpack that in bits I, for one, am very excited that this game, they're already showing pictures of prize support and talking about how this game will be supported um, and how if you want to run an event for this, you just buy a little pack and you can run an event um, and it's, it's set and ready to go. Uh, Mark, I know you're excited about this. You want to talk a little bit, a bit about that? Yeah, so I mean, I play a number of FFG's games with competitive play. I played X-Wing for a number of years, playing more a bit of Destiny now as well. So the alternative art cards or the, the tokens are great. You know, it allows you to pimp your deck or pimp your, your army or, or in X-Wing your squad. I think one of the things they do do well is they don't offer anything in the competitive play that you don't already have. So right. all, they're do- all they're doing is pimping your existing cards so i think that's smart in a lot of ways yeah it doesn't mean that the people who are winning are getting something an advantage over any other player they just get some pretty baubles um and as someone who loves his pretty baubles um i love a trophy um but i also love uh just you know having something cool Uh, i i uh, went to a barbecue on friday and I pulled out my beer, and they, they said, bring a beer cozy. And I reached in my cupboard, and I brought out a beer cozy from the most recent Malifaux event I went to, Netflix and Shill by the Red Jokers podcast. And boom, I, I'll, I'll post a picture on um, the Facebook group of me drinking a beer out of that. And it was just going, this, and I just, I remember people asking me, where'd you get that beer cozy? Uh, and they're not war gamers. Um, they don't know anything about Ma- They don't even know what Malifaux is. And they thought it was just a really interesting, cool-looking beer cozy. And you just go, well, I like swag. And this is cool swag. And Fantasy Flight is really good about giving you cool-looking stuff that doesn't make you better than the next player, um, which I think is really clever. Yeah, and, and also the other thing that just what you touched on and I'll uh, worth talking about as well is Fantasy Flight have been 
well, in my experience, I can only talk from my experience, and I'm, I must admit, none of the FFG games I'm playing, uh, I'm uber, uber competitive in, but I go to events. Fantasy Flight so far has been seen to be good to errata and change things based off feedback. Yeah. So they, you know, they do updates to, uh, they do FAQs, they do updates to both tournament packs and uh, and also uh, competitive play packs. So if something's not working and the community's saying this is a bit rubbish, they're normally pretty good to uh, to address it in, uh, when they do rules updates. They're known for it. Um, in fact, yeah, that's right. some other and- companies have actually now gotten maybe, and I shudder to say maybe even Games Workshop, has gotten quote-unquote better at it. Um, and I think it's forcing FFG to step up their uh, efforts um, because and now people are starting to complain that FFG isn't updating things enough which is ironic because they're the people that I don't want to say they invented it but they're the ones who really um, took the we're going to fix this um, and we're going to you know try and make this a better play experience for our players Uh, they kind of did it first and and look people who and I've heard similar uh, similar uh, uh, issues from the from community members in the community um, but I think everyone's just got to remember as well is fantasy flight from five years ago compared to fantasy flight. Now they're completely different beasts with yeah. the number of games, the size of the business and the, the IP that they've got. So it's not surprising. It's taking them a little bit longer to get round to doing stuff. It's really not that surprising. So I think people just got to step back and think, Hey, they're a much bigger company now. And you know, They'll get they'll get to it. They'll definitely get to it. Exactly. But I think Legion, I think Legion is just like the license to print money. You know, uh, you'd yes. always joke in the hobby circles that Magic is a license to print money. Mm-hmm. I think this is pretty close as well. Yeah, I don't think I think they're going to be giving this quite a lot of their attention. Um, yeah, just going off of the way they're they're um, releasing articles about it, and just from industry people talking about it. Um, the the amount of support that this game will be getting, they want this game to be a success. Um, yep. Look, Rune Wars um, had a lot of hype, um, but I think ultimately a lot it didn't it didn't go off like they wanted it to. Um, and that's not to say it's a bad game. I know some people that absolutely love it. Um, I it, it never grabbed me, so I never bought in. Um, but I know that FFG's looking for a hit and they're looking for a hit in a big way with this game. So I think this is one of those games that if you get in on the ground basement level, um, they're going to, you're just going to feel that love and that support. So now uh, while we're talking FF people's complaints with fantasy flight games, um, a lot of people have, a, and this is a very common gripe with games like X wing and Armada um, where Ships get upgrade cards, and you can up, uh, take those upgrade cards and apply them to other ships or other units. Um, and sometimes in order to get some of the best cards, you have to buy some of the quote-unquote crappiest ships. Um, in order to get the good ships, you get a ship that maybe doesn't have great cards. And it's it's seen as a bit of a bad um, business model uh, it gets up some people's noses um, because they're like, oh, in order to play the list that I want to play, I need to buy 15 ships. Um, now, uh, yes, I get that. Um, that is very annoying. However, um, they are apparently using the business model that they've developed with Rune Wars, not X-Wing and not uh, Armada. 
So what that means is, yes, uh, so for example, a Stormtrooper squad uh, in, comes in the core game, two of them, right? Um, now they sell additional Stormtrooper squads. Why would you want to buy an additional Stormtrooper squad? Well, to bulk out your army. But also, the cards that come in the core game are different from some of the upgrade cards that come in that Stormtrooper box set. Now, you might say, well, okay, so if I buy that, but if what if I want to play Rebels? I, I, and I want those upgrade cards. I don't want to buy Stormtroopers. So what they learned from Rune Wars, and apparently, and I have this on very good authority, and I think this is almost 100% accurate, the way it works is the Rebels and the Imperials are going to get mirrored cards. So you won't ever have to buy an Imperial thing to get the card if you want to play Rebels. You will have to buy the Rebels stuff, though. So the, the Imperial Speeders may have an upgrade card that you want to use on your Stormtroopers, so you'll have to buy the extra Speeders. Does that, Mark, am I explaining that right? Yes, yeah, I've heard the same thing as well. Yeah, which I think is, you know, I don't mind. Um, I'm not planning on, I don't mind buying a few extra um, vehicles, uh, you know, messing around with an army, uh, with army building, and maybe getting a few more units to to bulk things out to get the upgrade cards to play the game that the army that I really want to play. Um, but again, if you don't have to buy both factions, I think that's really that <laughs> that saves everyone's wallet from screaming. And I think that will really take a lot of the criticism of how FFG do their business um, away. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I definitely, definitely. I mean, and, and I won't lie. I mean, I've been thinking about, I've had a hiatus from X-Wing and then I look looking at trying to get, back into it i'm like i'm uh, it's almost an impossible feat i've taken out a small loan to get all the ships to to be competitive in the quote-unquote meta so Agreed. um yeah so I'm, I'm i'm i was glad to hear that that if i just want to stick with uh imperials uh i can just buy the imperial stuff and i don't need to worry that i'm missing out on the card that's defining so what we know is that this game is played on not a six by four table which is what something that you know, for drawing analogs back to 40k and other traditional war games, um, that's sort of been the traditional standard for a lot of war games for a long time. I know a lot of games are played on three by three and four by four these days, um, three foot by four foot, or you know what I mean. So this is played on a six foot by three foot table. Um, now people might say that's random, but that's actually the same size gaming area that is used for Armada. Um, I actually sat down to play a game of Armada, my, I think my second or third game. Um, I love Armada, by the way. Uh, if you're wondering what my thoughts are, um, we'll cover it another date and time. Um, I think it's a great, anyway, a side game. But I went to go play it with a friend, and there's a set number of turns in that game. And we were playing, and we're like, man, nothing is happening. Like, what's going on? We're sailing, you know, full speed ahead at one another. And we didn't realize when we deployed that we were deploying on a 4x6, not a 4x3. And it really does make a big difference. So um, what I'm sort of seeing here um, is that this is a game that is going to get thick and fast pretty quickly. Uh, Mark, I know you and I were talking a little bit about this off air. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the when we talk into there was an article the other day about the way you do missions and, mm. and deployments and things. And look, I think it's just uh, it's a good way 
just so you get thick and fast action. Uh, look, I don't mind. I think it's good. And like you, I've I haven't played a lot of Amada. I've only played one or two games, but I'm very keen on it as well. And I did like the six by three. I thought that was good. Yeah, agreed. So, so let's let's talk about that a little bit. So um, when you play this game, even before you set up your armies, um, you, I mean, of course, you declare your faction. You've made your army. Um, you've assembled. You paint it. You're ready to go. You, you know, you're ready. You and your opponent pull out a series of cards. There's deployment cards, there's objective cards, and there's condition cards. And you, you make a box of three by three box. So you have three possible um, choices for each one of those options. Um, and then you and your opponent, and I'm still a little unsure on the mechanic on this. I did read the article. I do get what it's saying. But this is one of those things that... To be honest, FFG does a wonderful job with kicking out great articles, but sometimes the articles and the rules don't always perfectly match. And this is one of those times where I want I actually want to really read how you eliminate the cards, but you and your opponent start eliminating cards one by one from the left. So let's say you have a shooty army, uh, and you kind of want, you know, an you want to set up in a gun line. Well, some of the deployments don't allow for that. So you would, if you could, um, out of one of those choices, you could eliminate the ones that wouldn't let you do what you want. But then your opponent gets to eliminate another, either one of the conditions or uh, the deployment or how you, um, what's the third one? Oh, the objective, what you need to do to win the game. Um, They get a choice of what to get rid of. Um, and you both eliminate two of the cards. So between the two of you, four out of the nine cards are eliminated. And then you take one from each category closest to the left on the box, which is why, again, I want to read this more carefully. But what that means is every time you sit down to play this game, you set out, you you play out random cards um, out of a deck of each set of objectives, deployments, and conditions for the battlefield, and then you eliminate the ones you don't want to play. Um, so it gives both players there's a random element, so you're not just always playing the same mission, and it gives both players an opportunity to either eliminate things they desperately don't want to play, um, or to sort of cater the mission a little bit more to what their army or what they want to do with their play style. I think that's fantastic. Um, the number of times I've gotten to a tournament and or just showed up to play a game, and the mission has just royally is not worked out for m- either my army or the way that I like to play at all. And it's, 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 you know, it gives you a little bit of a negative play experience. I like that you get to manipulate this. Uh, Mark, what are your thoughts? Did I explain that right? Yes, you did. It, okay. it was. Uh, it took me a couple of times to read it to quite get my mind around it because it was uh, very FFGE in the way it was written. Yes, um, which which sometimes you have to yeah read it a couple of times. But yes, you, you you draw three objectives, three deployments, three conditions, and then you alternate. You get two choices to eliminate the leftmost of it, backwards and forwards. So the only thing I have to say here, the interesting thing is going to be in a competitive play format because my mind goes to the fact that if you've got a round you've got 10 you know 10 pairs of people playing given the conditions are different one one person might draw something that allows them to get more victory points and if victory points are used as a margin of victory breaker then it's sort of not a evenly 
uh, even playing ground, if that makes sense. That like, does. One... That That's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. They, yes. they would have to... I mean, FFG wouldn't make a rookie mistake like that. Um, they no, would I, have I think, to put that in there. Well, because like, like what they do for Imperial Assault, they actually uh, have a rotation of missions. And you and you choose your, your missions that you play. And I imagine they're going to do the same thing here. Just because you, you, in a competitive play... You, you just can't have that variation. I wouldn't have thought if you know one person's racking up victory points because they're sitting on objectives, and the other one's got to get units to an, an opponent's deployment zone. Yeah, that's two different things. So I, I think I think the, for friendly games, that idea of the objectives and that is is really cool. Mm-hmm. But I'd just be curious to see whether they have say here's the missions for this kit or for this event. Yeah, exactly. I I think that probably makes sense. It, I think it also yeah. means that everyone gets a fair shot of playing the same thing. Um, I know yep. in the bolt action world, that isn't always seen as a good thing. Um, I always like consistency in events. Um, me personally, um, I, I, I don't know. I, it's just how I was brought up. I like everyone to have the same opportunities um, on the battlefield. And I think it just, it, it, it makes for a fairer event. And so that's kind of what I'd expect for that as well. Uh, yep. I, again, we're working off of a half set of rules. So I yeah. think once we see it, how it works, I think you're entirely right. Well, and, and it's also an important distinction for everyone for us to say here is there's the way the game is played and then there's the way organized play is played. And Correct. they are two, two separate things. Yeah. I, for example, I love to play games like Armada and X-Wing uh, and I love to play them, but I don't play in a ton of events for them. Because the competitive, I, I'm not at the competitive edge. I fly into asteroids constantly, uh, <laughs> if not flying off the table. Uh, and you know what? That's okay. Because that's what I play those games to do. I play competitive war games in a big way in the past. But I don't play these games to be competitive. Um, I like yeah. to have a good time, and that's what I'm looking at. Now, am I going to play Legion uh, competitively? Well, this is definitely in my wheelhouse. I, I, okay, we'll save that to, for the wrap up. So you, this you, is. You need, sorry, you go need, ahead. You need to, you're going to need to if you want to get the bling. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's true. <laughs> I need the swag. Uh, yeah. Oh, don't get me started about <laughs> Legion swag. Um, okay, yeah. so this is an FFG game. Now, um, I sat down with my wife and a couple of friends, and we played the Fallout board game last night, and it was great. Uh, I'm going to probably record an episode about that. Uh, But it was a Fantasy Flight game. So if you are familiar with the Fantasy Flight model of how to do a game, uh, it typically involves a lot of counters. It involves some strange dice. And it involves um, usually things that have unit cards. So everything, you're not flipping back and forth through books to see what your stuff does. Typically, it's all on the cards. And the way that they handle who hits better and or who does things better is to control which dice you use. And each set of dice for a game um, will have more hits, more crits, more misses, more whatever um, to change the variables. Uh, so no, you need to know that going into this. You're not going to pick up standard six-sided dice. Don't go down to your local custom dice shop and get you know six-sided dice with Imperial logos on the sixes because you will never get to use that in Legion other than maybe to count the six turns in the game. Um, 
you will have custom dice. And when we're talking about swag, that's typically where we're talking about. Um, They do neatly colored, like clear dice and that sort of thing. Um, So there's three types of dice in this game. There's, um, well, technically there's six. So there's attack dice and defense dice. And each attack dice and defense dice um, has three corresponding colors, white, black, and red. Um, white has some opportunities to hit or to crit. Um, black has more opportunities on the dice and red has the most. Now defense is, uh, so I believe attack dice are on eight sided dice. So if you want to work out the probability of those ones, um, they're on there and the defense dice again are white black and red and you are more likely to succeed if you're using black dice than white dice and red dice than everything else um but those are six-sided dice uh am i explaining this right mark uh yes that's correct okay so um then there is another icon on some of these dice that are called surge now So if you have a unit that isn't very good at shooting, for example, they're probably going to roll the dice that have the least amount of chances of hitting. And that's how FFG does it. And if you have a unit that's better at shooting, you would, you know, maybe roll the red dice or the best you would, sorry, the the black dice. And if they were really good, they were the best of the best, you would roll the black dice um, just to maximize the hitting potential, sorry, the red dice to, to maximize the hitting potential. But some of those dice have something called a Surge logo on it. Now, Surges, depending on the unit that you're rolling, mean different things. So Stormtroopers, uh, ironically, despite what all the memes and the jokes say, um, are very accurate shots. Like, they're very good at shooting things. So if you roll the dice and you get a Surge, uh, you're rolling the attack dice to hit something, and you get a Surge, you can flip that Surge, and it automatically translates into a hit. Um, whereas if the rebel soldiers were rolling it, it means that they get, uh, and they get the surge logo. Well, they don't get that bonus. They don't translate that into a hit. And so it counts as a miss. So it's a way of manipulating the odds of the dice within the game and to create differentiation within units, which I really like. Um, the defensive, uh, sorry, the rebels get a defensive surge, um, whereas for their basic grunts, whereas the stormtroopers get an offensive surge. Uh, Mark, do you like this? Um, I, I was kind of, I had to reread it to make sure because I was thinking, oh, are those crits? But no, the, there are hits there are criticals that do even more damage. And then on top of that, we have the surge, which is used, as I said, to change the odds of those dice. Yes, that's right. And the surge is uh, a really good mechanic because it allows you to add flavor to units. So whether they get what their abilities activate off surges, you can. You, it's a good way to change flavors of things. You're not a surge isn't a surge isn't a surge. It, it does different stuff. And I mean, that's reminiscent of Imperial Assault. And it's also of Rune Wars as well, which is which is cool. I do like the fact that Stormtroopers use the worst dice, though. Yeah, they do, don't they? they they're great <laughs> shots. They still roll the bad dice uh, to hit, but they get the surge, so it makes their odds better. Um, I, uh, once I see the dice... <laughs> sorry, once I see the dice, I'm going to have to actually figure out the results and see if with surge, they're better than the black dice, or if they're just always crappy. They're just better than basic crappy. <laughs> I think white dice is one hit, one surge, six blanks. 
I think, or two hits, one surge. Like, I think Black are actually better even with the surge. Okay, okay. I think. Okay. But anyway. All right. Still we'll remain- look at- Exactly. When we get our grubby paws on the dice themselves and we start looking, I, I, I'm pretty sure I could figure this out with the information yeah. that's out there right now, but yeah, I, I'm not really one to count dice results right off the bat. Uh, Mark, <laughs> I, I'm doing too much talking. Why don't you talk us through how movement works? Because it's really clever, and it, it, it's, it sort of goes back to some other game systems, and it's kind of revolutionary at the same time. So go ahead. Yeah, that's, that's I think, one of the things that uh, I was most excited about, of all things, was the, the way movement worked. So um, Fantasy Flight, uh, like their pathological hatred for D6s, yes. also don't like, don't like regular range rulers. So they have a, a measuring tool uh, that is broken into three segments. Mm-hmm. So um, basically a range band one, range band two, range band three, to see how far something can move. And on uh, units cards it tells them what movement uh distance they go right um so stormtroopers for example can move two now the one of the unique things uh with this is in your unit everything is done everything shooting line of sight the whole works is done from your unit leader he's the last he or she is the last one to die but Every, everything's done from the unit leader. So there's simple way you do movement. So you get your unit leader, you get your measuring tool, you measure to where you want. And at the one and then the two, they sort of click sort of like a martyr. So you mm-hmm. can sort of move around corners and things. You move your unit leader and then the rest of the unit, you just place within a range band of one of that leader. That's how you move. That's it. Simple as that. So you don't have to, you know, Two inches, oh, that, that guy's going into difficult terrain, so his movement's reduced. Not, none of that. You move your leader, and then you move the rest of his troops, his or her troops, up around him within range band one. Yeah, exactly. And given, I mean, having played a fair bit of Armada, um, and recently having played quite a bit of Gaslands, um, using a template to move models, um, it's great. Um, it, it's very specific. It's, very, it's a very tight way of moving. Like, there's none of this rubber-ruling business um, you're always going to know where something ends up. And if you absolutely, God forbid, have to take something back, you can just plug it back on the other side, use the same template, and put things back, no problems. Um, but it is a little time-consuming. So when I first heard that FFG was doing this game, before I heard about this mechanic, um, I was thinking that they would probably do away with their usual movement tool shenanigans um as far as that mechanic but then i found out they were using it i was like well how are they going to do that with a unit of 10 dudes like you're not going to click each guy in and move them that would make for an incredibly slow and cumbersome uh gaming experience but i really like how they've done it so you just move the squad leader and then you move everyone else in coherency now if, if you are like me and you do get a little, you know, twitchy about people moving certain units longer than they probably should in a game, um, and you, oh, but but that means that some units move further than some guys in the unit move further than that distance. Well, yes, it does. But because it's consistently written in the rules, everyone does the same thing. So you just need to get your head around that that movement, that, that quote-unquote bonus movement, let's say your squad leader's at the front of the unit before you move it, and there's a bunch of guys behind him or her, then you move them, and then after you move them, everyone's you know a couple inches ahead of that squad leader. 
that bonus movement, that quote unquote, you know, couple inches here and there, well, that's factored in when they made the rules. So I like that they did that. Um, and I think that the coherency rules, the way that it's done, is very specific and it makes for a fluid um, movement system um, that should also be fairly tight. Uh, as well, much like Armada, X-Wing, and Rune Wars and things like that. Um, would you agree? Yeah, and I think it takes some of the ambiguity out because uh, I don't think you can't rub a ruler because the way the tool's designed is you push it against the model, it's a rounded edge, mm-hmm. you move your leader, and then it's just everyone's got to be within that range band one. Now, all, if you look at the article, they just have to have... Um, part of the uh, model within within range one so they could actually sit a little bit over the edge if that makes sense yeah they just got to have something behind the line so to speak yeah but again it's consistent so everyone's it's doing the same mechanic that and that's exactly right yeah so i like that uh and i i, I do really like how that mechanic plays out but um ha- again having done it a lot with x-wing uh, armada and gaslands recently i can tell you that i'm going to um probably make some very poor movement choices the first couple <laughs> of games I play. And uh, I'm hoping there's some sort of asteroid on the table somewhere just so I can fly something into it. Um, Dr- drive a speeder bike into a tree. Oh, man, you know what's happening. The second <laughs> I read that movement, that that article about how speeder bikes move, and, yep. and then I thought about that template, and then I thought about that scene from you know Return of the <laughs> Jedi, and I thought about me flying at least one speeder bike into a tree, a building, you name it. Uh, pro- the, preferably the bigger and the more imposing as possible. I will like left hook it into a building and blow myself up. It's gonna happen. It's gonna be amazing. Anyway, and and, and that movement's the same for vehicles as well. So those speeder bikes, you have the unit leader, you move them, and then the other speeder bike is moved within range one with the same facing. That's the only thing. They've got to be facing the same direction as the leader. That's right. Well, I'm I'm excited to have the opportunity to fly. Two speeder bikes into a building. Oh, um, yeah, we'll just, so good. That's going to be a challenge. I'm going to have to see if I can live up to this. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how we go. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, so okay. Each so the turn is broken up. Um, and I so if you play bolt action, um, and you really like uh, the orders system, the way that officers order units around, or you like the dice in the bag um, and the random pull. Uh, you are going to see some similarities here. So with Star Wars Legion, the way that units get... So one person has the initiative, and then they move the first... I believe it's their general orders can order a couple of units, and they that's how their turn starts. Um, now, I'm a little unclear. Again, I want to read the proper rules. If that general orders its all of its units, and then the opposing general goes, or if it goes... I go my first unit, then you go your first unit, and we go like that. Um, no, it's it's backwards and forwards. It's always backwards and forwards. All right, so no yeah. one's getting that advantage of I'm going to deploy, you know, I'm going to move three units before you get to do anything. I, I so, like so what, that this is not a you-go-I-go system. Um, it's a you-go-I-go by unit, which works really well for games like Malifaux, um, and it really means that you have to you're engaged throughout the entire turn. I'm sorry, Mark. I just wanted to finish that. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that, that, that's right. And what I think is good is the orders just allow you to 
when you issue an order, it means you can uh, you know you're going to activate that unit when you get to your turn because otherwise you're drawing randomly from the stack of your discs. Yeah, uh, and so that's what each I was unit to, yeah. like a, a disc or a dice, so you know it's similar to bolt action. So that's what the power of the orders are that you can go. I know in this turn I can activate that unit of troopers, that ATST. I'm not relying on a random element of drawing it out. Right. I get to I get to deploy when, or I get to do this thing when I want to do it. Um, at the beginning of the turn. Now, um, how it differs a little bit from bolt action is, um, so each unit type has its own chit. Um, its own, so heavy support has its, or, um, the heavy unit has its own special chit that says heavy support. Again, this is FFG, there's a million chits. Um, the, the core, the, the troops, whatever you want to call them, um, have their own special chit. Uh, and, and so every unit, and you take one chit for each unit in your army, and of course the chits have to correspond, um, and you take them all up, and you put them all in a bag. Now, if I'm playing against Mark, Mark has a bag, and I have a bag, but our bags are not the same bag. Now, it is Mark goes, then I go, then Mark goes, then I go with our units, and once you finish the ordering units... Then it comes down to the random pull. So then you start pulling the units out of your bag. Now, let's say I, Mark was talking about his ATST earlier. Let's say I wasn't within range of my general to activate my ATST. Well, then I'm relying on pulling out the heavy support chit to get my ATST to activate. That might mean that I don't get the ATST till halfway through or the end of the turn. Meanwhile, Mark gets to beat up on it until it activates. Um, I I, I want to play this. Um, part of me really likes this mechanic, um, and it, it really does create the chaos of the battlefield, I feel. On the other hand, but- I'm a little nervous it's going to be a little... It'll make things a little swingy. Uh, Mark, what do you think? Well, just a bit of clarity there as well, that when you choose your activation, you can either do your orders or the bag. You don't have to do all your orders first. Oh, I didn't know that. Thank you for clarifying yeah. that for me. All right, yeah, cool. So, that so makes when sense. It's turn, you either go, I want to activate that now or I'll take the random aspect. But what it does mean is you can hold something big off till later till you really want to use it. That unit's moving out of the cover, whatever the case may be. It's either or. You get to choose either an ordered unit or a random choice. Nice. Uh, yep. Okay, that, that that is excellent to know. Um, now, when it gets to when a unit gets to activate, it can do. It gets two activations, um, and it gets to pick from a list. Uh, am I am I doing that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so it can shoot, it can aim, it can dodge, um, it can move, um, or it can recover. Um, now you might say recover, well, that is to reduce suppression tokens and we'll get into the suppression mechanic in a second. Um, Mark, go ahead. I was going to say, I think there's also run slash charge. Right. Sorry. And that's, yes, you are entirely correct. I didn't write that down. Um, so, and so if you aim, it improves your chance of shooting. Um, dodge makes it harder to hit. 
Um, so your dudes start doing a little dance and you know d- jumping behind some cover, even if you're running around in the open. Um, of course, charging and running means that you move further than you would normally, but it means you can move and shoot, um, and there's different variations of this. Now, you might say, well, I'm not sure about all that, but it is really very similar to, for example, the order system in um, bolt action. If you run, um, you basically, it eats up all your movement points, um, and I believe if you run in Star Wars Legion, you can't shoot, for example. But if you move and then shoot, it's very much like the advance order in bolt action. It's almost as though they've broken up the orders from bolt action and just made a list and say you can do two of these things. Would Am I explaining that right? Yeah, and I think the, the distinction is a, ch- um, a run slash charges takes two actions to do. That, right. That's the way that breaking it down. Yeah, but yes, you're right. Everything else is you can aim and then shoot or... Move and dodge, whatever. Yeah. All right. So um, as we talked about before, if you shoot and then so you ro- or you charge um, hand to hand and shooting is very similar. Um, each unit has its own. Its card has all of its stats on it um, and it tells you what the weapons are. So very much like the newest version of Warhammer 40,000, everything you need to play that units on that card. Um, it's also very similar to other FFG games like X-Wing and Armada. So it tells you which dice you need to roll depending on which weapon system or weapons you're doing or if you're charging, for example. Um, And it tells you what defense dice you have to roll in case someone hits you. Um, And so you roll to hit, then you roll to damage. So you roll to hit, and then um, your opponent rolls to see if they defend. And if they don't, well, then that person either is damaged or is, you know, dead. Um... And so it's a very basic system as far as that goes, but I think it it just makes for quick, clean gameplay. Uh, Mark, would you agree with that? Uh, very much so. Yes. Yeah, I like it. I, I'm quite fond of it actually. Yeah, it really speeds up gameplay. It tells you exactly what you need to succeed on the card. You roll the dice. You see if you get those results. Then your opponent rolls. Uh, it's very easy. Um, it takes out all of the flipping through books, uh, which is really <laughs> a problem in some games. Um, now, let's go back to orders. Now, there, again, I'm only going to gloss over the existence of this and not get into the nitty-gritty because we don't have the full set of rules, but it has been talked about in an article. Mark, please correct me if I do any of this wrong. Um, actually, Mark, do you want to talk about how the orders work, um, or do you want me to? Oh no, I can I, I can give it a crack. So, yeah. so uh, there is a with with orders, um, your commander will have a certain amount of. Uh, there, there's a, a you build a deck of order cards. So uh, seven people of like, them. Yeah, seven of them. That's right. So. Uh, you, these order cards uh, are they shuffled? That's the only thing I can't remember. Do you pick or no? You pick, don't you? You, you get to pick the them. Yep. Yeah. So, so you'll have a, a, this deck of cards that you pick at the start of the turn, and this card, these cards describe a few things that happen. You have a priority, so meaning if I choose a, a two-point card and Brad chooses one, I get to do mine first. That's right. The payoff for the payoff that is the higher the initiative bid, so to speak. Normally, the less amount of units you can order correct so yeah so there are some generic ones uh that you know it's called push assault and ambush mm-hmm. which is basically a three two one type system 
But each, what I really dig is each commander then has a, a suite of their own flavoured order cards. Right. So in the article here, we got Darth Vader, and he's got some very, very cool ones. And um, as well as... Uh, as well as ordering troops or saying how many troops you can issue orders to, some of them actually have uh, other abilities. So, for example, there's one called New Ways to Motivate Them, which allows you to order two troop units. And then when a friendly non-Darth Vader trooper unit with a face-up order token activates, it may suffer one wound to perform one free action. So you can knock someone on the head and uh, then potentially get three actions out of a unit, which is cool. So very yeah. flavoursome for Darth Vader. Oh, absolutely. You just imagine him post, uh, force choking someone who questions his order. is like, are you sure you want me to do that, Lord? Nah, you're dead. Yep. Uh, and then moving on. And I really like that. Um, so once you've done an order card, it's burned and you can't yeah, do that's it again. Right. Um, sorry, yep. I wasn't sure if you said that. So No, I didn't. I didn't. That's so you, you pick seven of them at the start of the game. And as you say, some are generic and some are signature. Um, and uh, you, once you have them, as the game progresses, you can each turn you can play one of those cards. So it means that one turn, you're, or at the end of the game, you're going to have a card you never had a chance to play. Um, so it gives you a little bit of um, leeway as far as, well, in the game I might need this or I might need this. So you get that one extra card to have like a, a gamble in case something's going wrong, like a, if, if that makes sense. Um, but it means that every turn, um, if we're playing a game, the leader really can have a dramatic impact on the gameplay around it. And it really makes, I think, for a heroic experience. Um, would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And what I like as well is the the units that they can... Uh, so each card has a different descriptor of the units you can issue orders to. Right. So, for example, some of them have two troops. Some have units, so you can do it to anyone. And some of Darth Vader's ones are either just Darth Vader himself or Darth Vader and two other units, for example. So you, you really got to make some tough choices about what you want to have control over turn to turn. So the other thing with orders that I'm really excited about is the fact that there's the flavoured ones for the commanders. There's actually a, a measure of a commander with a, a potentially a play and build style of your army as well, which I think adds further depth to that. You know, we've got a fairly generic uh, rules and restrictions in terms of the units you can take, but certainly you might have, um, for example, uh, I, I'd imagine... General Veers being an armoured, you know, sitting in an AT-80, mm -hmm. he might have some orders that play with your ATSTs a bit more or something. So you might actually have a build style around those um, those uh, commanders with certain units as well, which I think is awesome. Yeah, exactly. And we were also talking about just a second ago having, having how the orders give you a play style for the commander itself. Um, so... Upgrade cards do that as well. So each card, and uh, Mark, maybe you can talk about the unit cards in a second, but each unit, including leaders, has its own sort of little card and it has the rules as we talked about. Um, now you can attach upgrade cards to that. So you can attach like a heavy weapon to a squad or in the case of Darth Vader, some of my personal favorites, you have, I believe there's the force, uh, the force choke. Um, you can give him that ability. Um, or you can give him my my personal favorite, um, the lightsaber throw. So you can uh, use the force to jam a lightsaber through a bro and then call it back Thor style. Um, hey, catch. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's just it gives him some ranged ability um, when he, you know, 
maybe fluff-wise, maybe wouldn't. Um, but they've come up with a, a themey way to sort of come around, you know, get around that problem. But it also, it's an upgrade you have to pay for. Um, and yeah, I, I, th- I just think it, it adds some really characterful additions. So not only can you use the upgrades, as Mark was saying, to theme your army, you can take the orders, you can pick some signature orders for that leader, and then maybe some signature gear, and you can really make yourself something that's, you know, straight out of a movie. Mark, why don't you talk to us about maybe the units themselves? Yeah, yeah. So I'll just touch on the unit cards because it's sort of the the one of the big parts of this. That so we'll talk about the stormtroopers card. So there's a bit of information on there which is it's really easy for for anyone at a glance to know what's happening. So mm. you have the unit cost. So interestingly enough, just really quickly, and we'll talk a bit more about it shortly. But mm. a unit of stormtroopers for five of them is forty four points. What we are led to believe is the competitive play limit is 800 points. Yes, sorry. So, Thank you for saying that. Yep. Yeah, so one unit of five Stormtroopers is 44. Um, so you've got points. Um, it has a little leader and how many troopers are in the unit. So Stormtroopers have one leader, four troops. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got some text about their special rules, and I love this for Stormtroopers. They've got their, their special rule is called Precise One, because <laughs> only Stormtroopers are so precise, mm-hmm. that when you spend an aim token, you can re-roll an additional die. So an aim taking an aim allows you to re-roll one of your shooting die. Precise, when you've got an aim token, allows you to re-roll two. Great for Stormtroopers, because they have the weakest shooting die. Yeah, that is. Yeah, so then you have the unit upgrades that are available to them. So there's a few uh, icons, and it's a bit hard to make out, but uh, there seems to be what I'm assuming is a heavy weapon, a sort of a, a squad upgrade, a tech upgrade, and then there's the old thermal detonator icon. So mm-hmm. hopefully it means they can have grenades and things like that as well as upgrades available to them. Tells you what your unarmed dice you use. So stormtroopers use black unarmed dice to hit people over the head. They're... Their blaster has a range of one to three, and like we said before, uses white. Has how, how far they move. Stormtroopers is two. Their surge ability, their defensive ability, and then their threshold. So, the way when you suffer damage, each unit has a damage threshold. Mm-hmm. So, you've got to do that much damage to remove one model. So, for stormtroopers, one point of damage kills one stormtrooper. You'd imagine things like ATSTs, they'll have, you need to do multiple hits to do a point of damage. Right. Um, and then there's their courage threshold. So you get all the information that you need on the card uh, based off that. And just really quickly as well, the other cool thing uh, I think, Brad, is what people can do is with things like stormtroopers, there's nothing stopping them um, uh, also having elite versions of these things. Yes. So, you know, like 501 Stormtroopers. Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot of different stuff that, you know, there's special forces, but even those line troops having elite versions of them, which is very cool as well. So, But that's that's basically a unit card. And then whether you're a a vehicle or Darth Vader or a unit Stormtroopers, your information that's presented is, is virtually identical. That's right. And for those wondering, just some of the point values. Um, so you said a unit of five, so is it five stormtroopers was how much? Five stormtroopers? Uh, 44 points. 44 points. Darth Vader by himself, no upgrades, is 200. Uh, 
<laughs> and there you go. And I think that tells you a little bit, a bit about you know what Vader does on the tabletop. Uh, but the speeder bikes, for example, for two speeder bikes are uh, twice as many points as a unit of stormtroopers. They're ninety. Yeah. Uh, yep. But they get the special rules of having cover um, and speeder, so they ignore terrain of hider one or lower. Um, and they have to move forward. So they're like the 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 ships in um, X-wing. They can't ever stop. They have to keep going forward, which is why I'm going to fly them into a building. So, um, yeah, because well, yeah, it's a drift, isn't it? Like you you drift one, and then you do your move. Right. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's how it yeah. works. Uh, again, yeah. uh, we're working off of partial rules, yeah. but I'm almost entirely sure that's what it is. Yeah. Now there is a mechanic like pinning in this game. Um, and as you take damage, um, as you take hits, if you survive, uh, you can take, oh, now the name of the mechanic, suppression tokens. Um, so when you take a hit or a crit from shooting, um, you take a suppression token. And so you can lose some of your activations. So you remember how each unit gets two activations? Well, if you've taken enough suppression tokens, um, you can lose some of them or you have to run. You can lose all of them and you have to run away. Um, And so leaders can help you. You can use a leader's leadership to... The correct terminology is a commander's courage value. Um, to overcome this. And if you have Darth Vader, for example, he just literally doesn't have a score. It's a it's a line. Vader, you don't run from Vader. Vader tells you to turn around, you turn around. Um, and I thought that was pretty fluffy and cool too, which is, I think, one of the reasons why Vader's so expensive is because he makes stormtroopers about face and, you know, go to want to kick people's teeth in no matter how many times they've been hit. Uh, so yeah, anyway... Um, and yeah, I, look, I, th- oh, sorry, Mark. What do you think about the suppression tokens mechanic? Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, it's good. And also when you get, um, the, the, it does have a benefit as well that, uh, when you take a suppression token, uh, when you have your first one, uh, you get increased cover because basically it's representing your troops hitting the dirt as well. So yeah. it can be a benefit if you're going to get, you know, shot up by multiple units as well. So, yeah, it's not bad. It's good. It's a good mechanic. It is. It also means that, for example, if you have a unit that is maybe trying to run between two, you you know, you took a gamble and you're like, okay, I'm not going to make it, but I'm going to try and haul, you know, haul ass between these two buildings and I don't quite make it and I'm out in the open and then the opponent really capitalizes on that and lays on the the firepower it means that you're not just going to sit there and take it constantly in the face eventually that unit is going to um, you know fail its you know it'll get enough suppression tokens on it so it's going to duck down and in, in a way it's a lot like what happens in bolt action a unit takes enough pins um, you know it's more likely to go down except in this game, it automatically goes down, if that makes sense. Um, So the more hits you take, the more likely the unit is to hit the dirt. Um, Yes, you're probably going to lose your activation with that unit. Uh, It's it's less likely to do what you want it to. Um, And I like how it's it's stepped. Um, So, for example, you take some suppression, um, you lose some of your activations. You take a lot, and they run away. Um, and so it, it, it's fluffy. I like, it gives me a very cinematic 
almost real feel as well. Um, putting giant air quotes around real, but yeah. Yes. Nice. Uh, well, God, that's that's kind of the, the long and the short of the rules. Um, as you said, um, armies are roughly 800 points. Now, one of the things when new games come out is to talk about, well, what does that mean for the contents of the box? Um, it has been roughly supposed that if you buy two core games um, and put the contents down, of course, you could only have one Luke Skywalker and one um, set of Stormtroopers. I'm uh, sorry, one Darth Vader and one Luke Skywalker. Um, the Stormtroopers and the Rebel Troopers and all that stack, you can have all those. Um, I think you end up with almost uh, 650 points of... Uh, rebels and something like 700 points of Imperials, depending on how you jazz up the squads with upgrades. Um, so you are getting some sizable armies. Um, I mean, we're talking maybe four or five um, basic units of troopers with some extra, you know, stuff. Um, but if you take, for example, Darth Vader, he's 200 points. You to get an ATST, that's another 200 points. Um, you've used half your points right there. Um, so you're going to have very few stormtroopers. But again, that's how you build your list and what you want in it. Uh, and I think that that that's pretty cool. I think it's a good game size. Um, I wouldn't be surprised later if they did what they did with Armada. Um, Armada started out and everyone made um, fleet sizes of a certain size. And then I think after 12 months or 18 months of the game being out, they officially changed the match play document to be 100 points more. Um, it had given people time to build up their fleets and to figure out how to play. Um, and they did that largely because a lot of the community was saying, look, we want to take big toys. We want to take um, not just big toys, but we want more choice in our fleets. Um, and by doing that, it allowed people to take more stuff. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did the same thing with this. And maybe in a year, 18 months, we didn't see, you know, armies go up to a thousand points, a nice round thousand. I don't know. Uh, Mark, what do you think? Uh, yeah, look, I think it's that's probably reasonable. Um, I suppose I suppose what it does allow is as they expand ranges of vehicles, ranges of troops, that they can, like you say, then go, it's now a 1,000 points because we have repulsor tanks and we have mm -hmm. more characters. We have this. We have, you know, cross fingers, you know, bounty hunters and things like all this oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, now, oh, that does remind me. Thank you for saying that. Um, one of the things that should be said that I really like about this, um, so the, when the new 40K came out, one of the mechanics is that as vehicles got damaged, um, they started to get worse. Um, and this game does something similar. As vehicles, they don't just, they don't stay pristine until they blow up. Um, oftentimes in games of bolt action, you can, you know, hit a tank, it'll take some pins, but it's still as good as it was once it clears those pins. In this game, if a vehicle takes some damage, uh, it starts to get bad, um, or it starts to be worse off than it was before, and it doesn't get better again. Um, so you can whittle a vehicle down, and its performance depreciates as, it's, as it takes damage. Um, I think that's a neat mechanic. I'm glad they put it in there. Uh, and yeah, I just, I, yeah, I think it's a little realistic. Uh, Mark, you also feel the same way? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the, the yeah. 
uh, yeah, got nothing more to add. I think that's great. Yeah. And just um, just sorry, while we're touching that, and it's just interesting to see the different values. General Veers, for example, is a character. I know we're jumping back a sec, but mm. um, he looks like he's either 88 or 92 points. It's hard to tell from the picture. Mm. But um, so you can see there's going to be a range of price points, I'd imagine, for characters. You'll have the hard-ass Vaders, and then you'll have the not-so-much um, other characters as well. Yeah, and you're starting to see some interesting abilities too. So Veers can um, call in like an artillery strike from an ADAT cannon, um, that yes. kind of thing. And so I, I'd imagine that's one of his order cards that he can probably do once a game, or maybe it's an ability. Um, it's just really cool that they, again, are giving these characters some, uh, you know, some options that really give you some fun cinematic theatrical almost um flavor uh, yeah yeah viz, viz looks you know like i said we haven't played a game yet we're not not 100 sure what's good or not but viz from his card from what we know so far he's looks pretty pretty good he does he looks very good and i i've always liked viz um yeah i'm, I'm definitely going to be putting him on the table uh that in yeah. uh, man i guess that that gets to the bigger question uh so mark what are you playing in this game Imperials every yeah. day of the week. Yeah, me too. It's like, uh, A, I love Imperials. I have a Death Star tattoo for crying out loud. Um, I was going to play Imperials regardless, but then I took a good look at the miniatures and realized that's an awful lot of white on Stormtroopers. And I have a sick love of painting white miniatures. Uh, <laughs> yes, I've been you... painting white vehicles for the last couple of weeks, and people are looking at me going, oh, you must hate that. And I'm like, no, I love it. Keep it coming. And now I'm like, wait, I get to paint how many Stormtroopers? Oh, uh, yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, I'm really excited for the um, Imperial forces. I think everything looks cool. Look, the Rebel stuff looks great. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm probably going to, I mean, I'm, I'm going to get Rebel stuff in the core game. Um, and I think a friend of mine is going to paint that up for me, um, so I can run people through demos and teach people the game. Um, because yeah. you know, I, 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 I'm a slow painter and the rebels painting those rebel models would take me six years. Um, but the, the white on the stormtroopers, ironically, I'm going to smash through that and it's going to be great. Um, uh, but anyway, sorry. So what excites you about the Imperials? Oh, look, it, I've always liked. The Imperials, you know, as a kid, with a love with of the movies, mm -hmm. and I know there's just something iconic about Stormtroopers, um, and you know, Darth Vader, of course, is a character, and I know I just like it's not that I don't like Rebels. I, what I like about the Rebels is the heroes, and at this age, you know, it's un, the story. The story for Star Wars is always the hero's journey, where yeah. the Imperials is always the big mass ranks, and look, you know, playing 40k, I love Space Marines and. It's virtually, you know, it's the same thing. Let's be honest. Yeah, it really um, is. You know, the, the, the background and, and where they're from. So I'll certainly, like you, I'll collect Rebels as well. But certainly my, I think my first and foremost love will be um, Imperials. That being said, I don't know whether it's the time you want to, if we're, we're going to talk any more about rules or happy for me to... Digress say, away, my man. I think we've talked the rules. Yeah, cool. And I think this goes to what we were talking about earlier about... Where do we? Where where will this go? And for me, when you're talking about what I'm looking forward to, there's a, there's a couple of things that really stand out for me. So, I suppose they've said the first thing 
and Alex Davis has said this in a number of videos that I've watched, the first thing they're covering is the Galactic Civil War. So for all of us, that's episode four, five, and six. That's what they're covering first. Uh, so New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi is the first subject matter they're going to be making rules and things for. And then I suppose for us, where does it go? Obviously, Clone Wars will happen. It, it can't not. Yeah, exactly. You know, in terms of bringing, and then obviously this new arc with Force Awakens. But certainly for me, some things I'm really looking forward to in the short term, because it's in that galactic civil war, mm-hmm. would be bounty hunters. Yes. Including bounty hunters. And even, I mean, the other concept they got is the scum and villainy, which is like the good guy, the good guys. So the rogues. Rogues is the yeah, sort of... Yeah, sort of the rogues. Sort of, I would say scum and villainy is more like Boba Fett and Mandalorians and yeah, uh, the sorry, Huts that's right. and the, yeah, the crime syndicates. Yeah, um, sorry, it's rogues. Rogues, yeah, rogues is the good guy. So I'm looking forward to seeing where we can introduce some of that. The, and then the two other things in terms of the Galactic Civil War period, again, we're calling that it now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I hope, I hope, I hope there's one a way whether it's a small unit or it's attachment to characters, but Royal Guard. Yes. Because I, I would love to see Royal Guard models because they, they're my favourite. The That red armour. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you got that tantalizing little view of them. You didn't really see anything about them. Yeah. And that's that's why I liked um, the new um, yes, the last Jedi because the Praetorian looked like it's the the evolution of the Royal Guard, and you got to see them fight, and it was just brilliant. Yes. Um. So they're the two things for that Galactic Civil War period that I like. But when we're talking about scum and villainy faction. Oh, how good would it be to see Jabba the Hutt and his crime syndicate? Yeah. Oh, with weak ways and the sail barges. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine this sail barge model? Oh, yeah, forget exactly. it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, forget man, it. you're preaching to the choir. It's like Boba Fett jumping off a barge. Yes. <laughs> Give it to <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. Imagine, and, you know, someone will do it if they do that, having the, the desert table mm-hmm. that's the got Sarlacc. a sail mm-hmm. in the middle of it. It'd be so good. Oh, but But future, future stuff that would get me excited... Uh, if they when they go into Clone Wars, how good would a Wookiee army be? Yes. Um, and battle droids. The only thing that's going to be very interesting in my mind is how they tackle Ewoks. <laughs> Do they have you know, to? Do they have to? Well, I know they're going right. to have to, but I don't want. They're going to have to, but um, to. but you know what I mean. Like you kind of go, they're they're a major part of the Rebel Alliance's victory yeah. on Endor, and so they're going to be included. But you kind of go, oh, it's be interesting to see how they tackle that in a. Uh, semi-serious way. I don't know. Yeah. Like you know, you could you could get a bit silly with it. So agreed. Yeah. Now, now I'm wondering, and this is something that I've been thinking a little bit about. So, I mean, clearly we have a Luke, we have uh, a Darth yeah. Vader. Uh, we're gonna get a Leia. She's a princess. Yeah. She's a leader. Um, it's gonna happen. She's a fan favorite. It's it's absolutely gonna happen. I mean, we'll probably see um, a Han Solo, a general Han Solo model, um, from Jedi, if not before. Um, and hopefully we'll get a Chewbacca along with that. Um, maybe they'll come as a pair. Um, yeah, I reckon so. Yeah, something like I, that. I, yeah. But then that begs the question. I mean, it seems like it would be a complete miss opportunity for FFG not to put out like, a you know, the droids. Um, so to have, uh, R2 and 3PO, well, if you look at how the armies are built and you look at them and you go, huh, where would they go? Maybe they're an upgrade card. Um, yeah, that's what I th- That's what I think would be a good approach, that they're uh, an upgrade card. And then you add the, so that Luke or that layer becomes a small unit. 
Yeah, or maybe a maybe they're their own support one off. Oh, maybe independent. Yep. Yeah, yep. maybe I don't know. Yep. Um, but I, I, it, I love that it has me thinking about that. Mm. That I'm, as you well, say, as we were looking at the universe, going, oh, that character would be great. That character would be great. Now, how do I get that character on the tabletop? Lando Calrissian, wing yes! guard from Edmund. Oh man, I'm I and so, so I. People know <laughs> I, know, I like so. People know I like to talk. And people yep. know um, that I, I'm a fairly prolific podcaster. And when I'm on, I, I talk a lot. Now, what's ironic is I was on every episode bar one of in, um, Intensify Forward Firepower, the Star Wars Armada podcast. I'm low Brad. Um, if you are listening to this and you happen to be, um, you know, happen to have enjoyed that show, I'm the guy who never actually spoke on something like 15 episodes I'm the guy who just played, um, you know, TIE fighters flying by every time I was supposed to say something ne or anytime someone swore. Do you know what I really want? I want a low bot model. Give it to me. Oh, Give it yeah. to me. I, I want to paint low Brad on the tabletop. That's yeah. happening. And I'm just, yep. I, I want Imperial officers in the gray uniforms. I want, uh, or in the black uniforms. You know, I, oh, there are just so many, you just, go to any scene in a star Wars movie, especially those on the death star. And you're looking at the guys in the background going, I want one of you and I want two of you and I'll have a whole regiment of you, please. Um, well, uh, undoubtedly they'll do the Navy troopers with the cool big yes. hats helmet, the, you know, the swept back radar dish mm -hmm. helmets. Uh, the other good thing I'd like to say about characters is the good thing with even the major characters. So your Luke's and that Luke is different in empire than he is in Return of the Jedi. He's a Jedi yes. then. So you'll be able to do that, uh, release a new, another Luke model who would be slightly different, play slightly different, has mm -hmm. different abilities. Um, the other cool things, I mean, we, we, we're missing the obvious. Yoda, Ben Kenobi. Mm -hmm. Oh, Ben. Yeah. So you've got those sand troopers, guys on Jubaks. You know, there's... So you've got cavalry, you've got guys riding wampers. There's... Fantasy Flight have got a really great opportunity if they get busy to really pad out this world quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, we, it, it'd be interesting, Brad, for you and I to do another cast 12 months from now, well, from when it comes out 12 months later, and go, how great is this? Because they've got mm -hmm. everything. And it'd be interesting to, re to reflect a year later because I think, I definitely think this will become my pretty much mainstay game i think um, i'm just so excited by it yeah ditto and i don't think that's going to be 12 months mark i think we're going to be doing no. that in a couple of weeks <laughs> once we've actually gotten the game out and we're actually playing it um <laughs> just just quietly but, so um, when we talk about when we talk about game coming out i mean we don't really know yet i suppose that's the only thing that's a bit frustrating yeah. is they're building this great hype and some people I've spoken to think it's going to be end of January. I think they've mm -hmm. said March themselves on their website. So yeah, I just want it. <laughs> yeah, just and I want it now. I, want it. I don't want it now. So I guess that, that, that begs the question, what are you doing in the meantime? Because you can't, I mean, I know some people uh, around Gen Con time, I know some people that were rushing out to find secondhand Imperial armor, or sorry, Imperial assault models and to start painting them so they would have models ready. Um, unfortunately, it's a different scale, and the scale difference is significant. So you can't just use Imperial armor, uh, sorry, Imperial assault units willy-nilly, um, not unless you're con using those models consistently, which would, 
uh, you know, while it's a wide range of models, I don't think that's going to be, um, that's not going to be great for you in the long run. Um, so what I know what I'm doing in the meantime, what are you doing in the meantime? I think what you're doing, what I'm going to be doing is the same, which is building terrain. Thank you. Yes. yes. Uh, tomorrow morning, I have my wife's permission because she's gone back to work and I'm on school holidays. Uh, thank you for being a teacher. I'm going <laughs> to uh, appropriate the kitchen slash dining room table. And I have bought some of the new um, the buildings from Knights of Dice, who are a Melbourne-based terrain company. And their stuff is phenomenal. But they have yep. a new range called Sandport Hydra. And I got yes. some of their some of the like the high end Schmig uh, MDF terrain, which is surprisingly cheap given the quality and the detail on those kits. Oh my god! Um, and I got a couple of those buildings because I already have two tables at least of full desert terrain from my days of playing bolt action. Um, and all I need is a few bits and pieces, and it gets there. And I have a few water tank models and a few other things that I think if once I paint up those vehicles, uh, sorry, not those vehicles, paint up those buildings and some scattered terrain, um, and if I can find myself, you know, Luke's, a model of Luke's speeder from Tatooine, maybe a few, um, you know, what are those? Um, moisturizer, no, not moisturizer. Yeah, um... Moisture... Vapor? My, yeah. I, I can't yeah, think of the names. Like yeah. the, they, yeah. Get a couple of those yeah, for the tabletop. I think yeah, I'm in business. You know, there's people screaming at us right now saying, they're called this. I know. I can't <laughs> believe I'm blanking either. It's like, oh. Uh, but yeah. So uh, that's yeah. what I'm doing. And you're also doing the terrain thing? Yeah, I must. I don't know whether you took advantage of Knights of Dice's really cheeky sale <sighs> over Christmas. Yeah. That's where that's where I got some terrain there, and that's what I'll be doing. Is I want to, I must admit, when this game hits, I want to have a nice table. I want to mm-hmm. uh, just to to really have that play experience. Sort of, um, it's going to sound a bit funny, but it, to really take me, I, I've recently had a a child. I had my first child, mm-hmm. um, and it's sort of. Uh, made me a bit nostalgic for things I did when I was kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he's, he's not a kid yet. And we sit down and watch Rebels together and things like that. So nice. Star Wars Rebels. So um, his education's going well. But um, <laughs> Right on. It, it, it's, it's taken me back to some stuff. So one of the things I really want when I play this is to have some really nice terrain. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to be a bit of a Nazi and, and I'll ha- play some games, but I don't – I want to have a painted army. I just, I just want to. Yeah. I just want to have an army. I want to play games with painted, painted miniatures. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's what I'm going to, I'm going to build some terrain, and I'm going to do some. I think I'm not going to do desert. I'm going to do sort of jungly, something a bit different. I think nice. as well. Yeah. Well, that'll be awesome if we, because um, I also have snow terrain. Um, so mm. once I finish the desert terrain, if I get, uh, you know, an extra building or two thrown down for that. Um, I already have the shield generator model, so put that down on the table, and we got some Hoth going. I actually, speaking of really bad, cheeky ideas, um, I had this idea, uh, and I do my best thinking in the shower, and I was in the shower, and I was like, you know what? When I was a kid, um, I got, for Christmas, after Empire came out, uh, my parents got me one of my favorite toys of all time, which was the Millennium Falcon. Um the the 
And it was a reissue of the original one when they first came out with it. Um, but it was a slightly darker color and had some stickers, um, like it was from hanging out in the swamp, which is ridiculous because, of course, that's what the X-Wing did, not the Millennium Falcon. Anyway, um, but it was it was like a darker color model, I think, than the original. But I'm positive that's still in my parents' attic. Now, I remember that being ridiculously big, but... If you actually think now that I'm a scale modeler, um, you know, and I, I'm constantly making vehicles and whatnot, I don't think it's that far out of scale. And so I actually did some Google research and turns out that that model was woefully out of scale with what we would consider to be what it should be sized to the point where it's almost a third, if not a quarter of the size it should be, which means it could be actually the right size to play Legion on. So I'm going to see if I have that model floating around. So the, the the one thing I'm going to be looking for is 148 Star Wars kits to do crashed X-Wings and TIE fighters and stuff. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's the, that, that's the other, when I get the terrain in to have a bit of scattered terrain, I want to have crashed X-Wings and ties that, that'd be just really make it schmick. Agreed. Definitely. Well, God, I think we could talk about this all night long, but I think we should probably call this a day. Um, Mark, anything you would like to add before we call this a night? No, not at all. Thank you for having me on. Um, it was uh, it was great. I enjoy talking as well uh, uh, about my talkers. hobby and about hobby. Yeah, we're both talkers. Who would have thought? Um, so, but yes, no, look, very very excited. Cannot wait. And hopefully uh, I can uh, jump back on at some stage and talk about uh, Star Wars Legion with you as well. Well, let's just pen that in and say in a couple weeks once or hopefully in a couple weeks or a month or so, whenever it drops, let's get a game or two and then let's 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 do this. Let's let's talk about this because, yeah, I'm I'm expecting to do I mean, just the amount of feedback that I've been getting from you guys, the listeners um, through my Facebook page when I talk about Legion uh, and post pictures and things. Uh, I think a lot of people want to know about this game. And look, I want to know about this game. I think it looks amazing. So, yeah, look for more Legion content on this podcast very soon. Uh, And that includes you, Mark, so don't go too far. No, I won't. (laughs) Right on. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this episode or if you've listened to any of the other episodes of Cast Dice that are out there, um, we would love to hear from you. Please go to our Facebook page. Go to look for C-A-S-T Dice, Cast Dice. uh, And please, uh, you know, say what you liked, say what you didn't like. Um, Podcasting can be a somewhat lonely existence sometimes in that we don't actually, um, you know, I do a lot of my podcasting through Skype. It's usually just me talking to a wall um, with somebody through a phone. Uh, and so if you if you really like something or if you have the, an idea that you'd like you know, us to talk about um, or a game you'd like us to talk about or an aspect of Star Wars Legion or another game that you'd like us to explore, please send feedback. Um, it's always wonderful to hear from you guys. Uh, and I just, I, I just love it. But I guess it is that, that time. Uh, I guess... Uh, oh, one last thing. Uh, tonight's musical choice is actually my college ska band um, playing our <laughs> very bad song called Ska Wars. Um, if you enjoyed that, I'm glad. If uh, you want to hear it in its entirety, stay tuned. It'll be at the end of the episode. Uh, and in advance, I'm sorry. 
Uh, thank you very much for listening to Cast Dice. Uh, this is Old Man Morin saying, I hope your blaster shoots straight and your lightsaber doesn't run out of batteries. Good night. Oh, Brad, come on. We can't finish like that. You've got to say, may the force be with you. <laughs>